It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Shutdown Fullcast. The internet's only college football podcast. And we say that every week because we can't lie. The FCC won't let us. <laughs> Joining this week, uh, usual cast of characters, a uh, plus one. Ryan, yeah. is it gone? Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's that's Richard Johnson. That's how uh, New say- Yorkers greet the rest of the world. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. so sad that you're mm. so New Yorker, you linguistically identify as one well we invented language so it's, we've just to- we've lost oh, you. this is true we've lost you into the to them come you on. could you, i'm we just could... waving a chicken tender sub next to the mic <laughs> can you hear it come home can you Richard, hear the smell home. oh god mama's mama's calling and by mama i mean jason <laughs> I'm, I'm at the nearest Publix. everyone here says they love you Publix. Richard size as I Richard. go to the convenience store to pick up something. Publix Mojo Blend Chicken is on sale. Uh, what's What's more convenient than What's more convenient than a box of delicious chicken tenders? Oh, God. I think Publix, Publix should open. Publix a, Moose Track is on sale. They should open a series of branded bodegas called Podegas. <laughs> pub date pub pubdega. Hmm. T- pub I tried pubdega. Did pub, pub, bodegas. For a, Bodegix for a, actually sounds like some kind of blood transfusion company. Knowing Brooklyn, they'd they'd say it's like a bespoke grocery shopping experience or some bullshit. It we could is. actually Publix could actually use some of the some some New York organized labor principles because they're still making their their checkout clerks wear those buttons that say "Don't tip me." Yeah, it's, it's very it's a very amateurish grocery store. It's the uh, bagger athlete experience. Yeah. 
I wanted to work at Publix so bad when I was younger. Jason, I know you lived that life. I did, yeah. I, uh, yeah, as a uh, longtime associate, is the jargon. Uh, I can espouse the benefits of a Publix education, which include never de- de- defining yourself as a New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Th- I did think about you today, Richard, because I was prepping for the show, I was driving over here, and I looked and saw a sign that said Publix is now open at a location directly across from a Kroger. Wait, there's a new one? There is. Wait, where? Yeah, right next to the Mecca Kroger, or next to the- uh, Oh, shit. Wait, they have have some awful name for that development. Yes, we will never use it. Oh, it's the Murder Publix. (laughs) Oh, it is now. I'm sorry, the Manslaughter Publix, because everything Publix does is just a little tried to call it Beltline. They tried to call it like Beltline Kroger or something, which if anything just downgrades it to Aggravated Assault Kroger. Yeah, before that, they gave it an even prettier name. It was like- Avondale Gardens, Kroger, or whatever. And everyone's like, nope. Lord. Nice try. Sorry. Nope. It's the, like The ugly... Yeah, it's a fiction. We made it up. But I thought about you, Richard, because it said Publix is now open. And the first thing I thought before anything else was a sentiment from somewhere deep in my heart that said, that's right, Kroger. Publix has my sword. <laughs> It's like not even a choice and it's not even a side, right? That I could could even consider taking. I was just like, well, Kroger, it's been nice. My they still got Ingles in Atlanta. No, I no. man, okay. Uh, did Ingles ever get this far down south? Because that was my childhood grocery store. You gotta go a little further. Yeah, we had Ingles uh, at the moment. Yep, they're all over. Yeah. Ingla Ingles. There it looks like based on the map, it's more of a North Georgia thing. We were we were later overtaken by Kroger, uh, but Ingalls was like the supermarket of my youth. So according to the map, they're basically everywhere but ITP. I also mm-hmm. always thought, uh, what about Piggly Wiggly? I always thought Piggly like I've never Piggly Wiggly is more of like a Bama thing, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. I've always thought Piggly North Wiggly Carolina too. The, Piggly Wiggly was a thing like all Southerners kind of claimed, mm-hmm. but like not a lot of. Actually I've never actually seen there. a Piggly Wiggly in any town that I I live in except Columbus. I think had one. Yeah, they're all yeah. over too. There, uh, mm-hmm. there's a few in Atlanta. There's one up in. Uh, there's one up in like. I would patronize them just for the name. To be clear, if there's, one, one. there's one up in like. It looks Dillard. like there's one right between y'all's houses. As a matter of fact, there mm-hmm. is, and there's one up in Dillard, Georgia. That when uh, I think I lived in North Carolina for about six weeks once before deciding it was a bad idea. Like rural North Carolina, never rural. knew this. Yeah, mm-hmm. for like six weeks before deciding it was a terrible idea. The only real highlight, uh, we used to get drunk at a neighbor's and just kind of roll down the hill because we had to go up to drink there. And then we could just sort of roll down if things got bad. That's how the entertainment goes in rural North Carolina. You're like, what'd you do? I just rolled down the hill back drunk into my bed. It was good. The other thing was there was a Piggly Wiggly there. And the people at the Piggly Wiggly, extremely nice, very knowledgeable on their pork cuts. So advertising does not lie it does have the unfortunate morbid thing where the animal on the sign is in fact killed and sold in the store not yeah. killed in the store i don't think that's something they do at most piggly no that you walk up song. you say that one yeah. <laughs> there was i was at a uh, things are so intelligent who's smart now kevin 
I was at a seafood restaurant in uh, around the fourth in Maryland, and you know how they uh, they had like the lobster tanks where you go like whatever pick the lobster, and you get to name your lobster, yeah, yeah, whatever. This one had like a claw machine <laughs> for the lobsters. And Ironic. I didn't, I didn't see anybody playing it, but it was there. Uh, hoist on your own petard, lobster. I appreciate this. <laughs> the the funniest part, if you read anything about lobsters, I know that lobsters are uh, a intellectual's choice of discussion for metaphors. What you should know about lobsters is this: that lobsters, when they molt, like lobsters get bigger and bigger, and if they're in a, a social lobster type situation. They will beat smaller lobsters uh, into submission, sometimes eating them and ripping them apart. They are complete jerks to one another. Sweet. But when the big one, with all the ladies and all the nice spots in the rocks, has to molt, they are completely defenseless for a period of about mm, 48 to 72 hours until all that <laughs> chitin hardens up. We call this the Iowa State game. That's, yeah. that's all the guillotine gifts in, the, in that lobster's mentions. <laughs> It's like it's 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 pretty much like lobsters lives or Twitter and the day when they molt is the day when they're the central character. Right. Try, try it's not time to, to overthrow the bourgeoisie lobster. The bourgeoisie. I'm so sorry. Wow. I'm really sorry. I was thinking about how it's actually good to eat octopus and I got distracted. Red good. nude Matt online waiting for your shell to harden. That's the yeah, and that's when that's when inevitably the smaller lobsters all start like creeping in. So just consider like the last moment of a bully lobster's life has to be thinking worth it as they're torn apart and eaten. Yeah, who's your reply guy now? Yeah, you're just trying to hurt the small businessman. I read and Rand. No, 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 no. This is by the way what I hope happens to Alabama. Right, one year like. Alabama, who we are not previewing today. Are you no. saying Nick Saban has isn't big enough because he has not molted in a long time? <laughs> he could stand a good. I don't have time and, to and molt. And he's also not big enough. So quit asking. Molting is a process. <laughs> he does have the color of like something that's been boiled. No, the problem is he would molt and then try to like do all the normal shit that he usually does without the shell. Like, didn't he have hip surgery the other day? And he was like, yeah, I'm playing golf tomorrow. He has hip surgery every day. I think the uh, molted Nick Saban, like the skin he leaves behind, that's Will Muschamp. Ooh, they actually, we could, we could actually hammer that. Oh, my Christ. Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee hired Nick Saban's started, moltings. The skin is always 16 with my, next, with my next thought before that image really took hold in my head. Oh, God. Welcome, everyone. Oh, God. I'd still rather have that than Jeremy Pruitt. Wow. So, today. That's the end of our episode today. (laughs) That's it. Speaking of weird colors, all right? Bam. Transition. Nailed. We are continuing our very stupid series of uh, previewing made up conferences based on jersey colors. And today is sort of the. the sediment, the debris, the leftovers, the all the, right. all, all the ones we tried to turn into complete conferences, but there just aren't enough uh, schools who fit these descriptions. We have a whole division of purple teams, so good job uh, to the Power Five and they're about in having sufficient purple teams. But we also have what we have called an assorted division here in the Oddball Conference. We tried to have a green division, but not enough green. It's a failing. Uh, 
we, and we had to even make some call-ups to fill out the assorted division. So I think first up, we have Holly and Spencer going to break down the purple division of 2019 college football for us. I'm calling this the Christ the King League. Because, you know, only only the King of Kings wears purple. And and also Northwestern. Also Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah. Don't, please don't make me start with Northwestern. It's just going to put me in a bad mood. I'm going to start referring to Pat Fitzgerald as the thin purple line. I'm just going to start the thick purple. The thick purple line, I think you mean. Purple lives matter too. <laughs> if I were Spencer and an incredible asshole, I would have written a song here called The Ballad of Pinkerton Pat about Northwestern's boot-leaking meathead of a coach. But I love you all too much. And also it's less fun to torture you as a group when Ryan is not in here. Uh, but in the entrance of vengeance, I must disclose that I did make Spencer listen to the absolute worst parts of the cat soundtrack after that trailer dropped last week. So he has had some of the musical suffering that he visited on all of us paid back to him. Anyone can write a musical. Anyone. In addition to that. Mercifully for all of us, T.S. Eliot remains dead. Anyone. This is my segue. You ready for our sixth place team in the division? The purple division? Anyone can play football at K-State. Anyone. In our six-team division, uh, the sixth-place team this year will be K-State. Kansas State, the Wildcats, uh, where you, Richard, I I think you can go from where you're at right now, and someone at K-State can get you into a second-team all-Big 12, thinking about your size here, linebacker? Yeah, that'll work. That'll work. We can build you into that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put you on the weak side. Make you do reads. We're we're gonna have you just doing some some yeoman's work in the middle. But it's gonna be good. All right. Yeah, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna fill. I got a gap. It's it's run support. But then again, they don't run. So yeah, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, this color it doesn't run. Yeah. And oh my gosh, purple is like if red and blue ran together. Yeah. Georgia's Shit. a purple state. Also, uh, Jason, we're gonna get you at punter. Please send all your Come thoughts on, about I can Georgia play being a purple state to at thirty eight Godfrey. I mean, I'm I'm playing safety. You're putting me. I want safety. you to. I I'm want you punting, to. No. I want you to contribute. No, Hunter. I'm going to play safety. Safety. Yes. You it's can the Big you, Twelve. You can tell me you're playing safety and not do anything, and you will be playing safety in the Big Twelve. So that's fine. Exactly. You can also okay. channel Ed Reed, Purple Ravens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good call. Um, and then I think I'm going to be a third string tight end slash quarterback, a vaunted K-State tradition. I am being very careful about that, however, because the third string tight end slash quarterback sometimes ends up being the starter there. That happens. So it's a gamble, and I admit that. I don't care what I am as long as I get to have way more talent than effort. Yeah. Do you yeah. want to be long snapper? No, no, more talent than effort. More, more talent, talent than effort. What are you doing at K-State? Yeah. Mm, that's you take fair. take that shit down the road to Missouri. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, that's fair. I was going to say, I, I want to be a linebacker who's who's too good to keep off the team, but who never, ever practices. Do y'all think K-State's just like, try, had, like Bill Snyder's grand plan with K-State was to transition them to being a JUCO and like hiring an FCS coach is just like a, like a, just another step in the transition? Yeah, that's yeah. Good. It's like you know, you move to a retirement home, and but before you move to the retirement home, you move to the house that doesn't have any stairs. Yeah, and by the way, speaking of steps, man, transition stick. Jesus Christ, on point. We're on, we're on fire. 
Uh, this Where's is the soundboard. I have to pull the soundboard back up again. This is not a Bill Snyder team. In case you forgot, the man himself took his windbreaker, left the building. Finally, the building with with his family's name on it. That's Chris Kleeman as a replacement. You uh, may recognize him from uh, North Dakota State. Yeah, North Dakota State. We got uh, we got the guy who went sixty nine and six. We got the guy who beat Kansas State famously. Thank you, Fifty Cent. <laughs> there have been many updates to the rap soundboard since I last opened it. He's going to step into big shoes, and by that I mean the other person who, the other person who replaced Bill Snyder once. That's right, Ron Prince. So, th- thank you, big boy. So uh, it's going to be an adjustment. I just went ahead and picked him last in this because um, I don't really see any games that they're like obviously gonna super lose that aren't obvious. Like I, but I don't see a whole lot of wins, especially because this team. Uh, they, they they have six road games. Six! Real life! That's correct. They have six road games. Six road games at the following. Starkville. What? Okay, that's almost two on the nose. The most rural game of the year, by the way. Now, wait, have we talked about now that's rural? Now that's, no, we're Can going we get, to, we're, okay, we're we going to talk about that because okay. we're ending this, by the way, with. Like, now that's our favorite game show. What I know everyone's most important question about K-State is. All right, if you paid attention at all last year. Uh, they have games at Starkville, Stillwater, Kansas. All right, that'll be fine. Uh, Texas and uh, at Lubbock against Texas Tech. Six. How many stoplights combined is that? Uh, between those six places, if we take out Austin, I'm going to guess that's 12 total. I think we need to come up with a real answer for this, by the way. Don't let me off the hook. I want to find out how many stoplights we have in the entirety of their road schedule in the metropolitan areas. The most I've actually, I've driven through both these States and I mean like almost all of them. Like I've driven clear across Kansas and I've driven from the top to the bottom of Mississippi. Uh, That Missouri vertical drive is brutal. It is hard. Like I cannot parse which one was worse. I'm going to go Missouri because it's just, there's featureless. It's just trees. It's like you're running through a screensaver. It's absolutely awful. But Kansas was just so flat. Yeah, but Kansas is infamously Kansas bad. Kansas at least has the world's largest ball of string in, in the middle of it, and they lean into that. Kansas, at least you're gearing up for it. Yeah, right. Miss, Mississippi, that is true. Mississippi did sneak up on me. Like, I expected to see things and just didn't. Yeah, there's there, there's absolutely nothing there. And I didn't know about gas station chicken, so I didn't even get to enjoy it. Uh, speaking of nothing there, Skylar Thompson's your starter. I don't mean Skylar Thompson and nothing there. That's un- unnatural, like just unfairly harsh. What I do mean is that there's nothing there in terms of people looking for his hype reel. If you search Skylar Thompson's hype reel on YouTube, it has 557 views. Y'all, it is hard out there to be a star at Kansas State. Point uh, to to further the point a little bit. There's only one All Big Twelve preseason player from Kansas State on the roster that'd be reggie walker defensive end he had seven and a half sacks though so he's pretty good anchors of defense it's got 10 returning starters they were pretty middling last year but uh with any improvement should be enough to buoy them through uh, you know i don't know three or four wins this feels like a rebuilding year even though they have an experienced offensive line just because not a whole lot of playmakers on staff and we're doing things differently which i don't care 
you know, like, okay, it's Chris Kleeman. That's cool and everything. Um, I've seen this before. Somebody coming from FCS to FBS with an absolutely fantastic record and stepping into a difficult situation. There's still a coach in a difficult situation. And there's still a program that's going to be transitioning. So um, I wouldn't expect too much from them this year. That's why we got them in the basement. The one thing that I will help everyone with and leave you on a high note. Um, do they still have the wee little kicker? Do they still have the tiny kicker from last year? The answer is yes. Blake Lynch, five feet, five inches. He's graduated, but he's now pursuing his MBA. He has soulful eyes. He does have soulful eyes. Team headshot. Like he looks, he's like, you know, hey, I'm here to talk about your portfolio, but I also genuinely care that you're saving for retirement. Yeah, he's listed at 148 in terms of weight. He's like 135. He's he, there's no way this dude weighs 148. Like maybe. Maybe in his heaviest clothing, he weighs 148, if that. But yes, Blake Lynch, the guy who, if you'll remember, there was a clip of him leaping up to high-five a teammate because he couldn't couldn't reach this 6'1 man's arm. Yeah, that's that guy is still the kicker. He's still pretty good. And he's still the guy who went from being a janitor to being their starting field goal kicker. He is. I learned a lot will of you, this. Will you refresh us on the janitor story? Yes, he was a janitor working in the athletic facility and bill snyder was was like well yeah let's let's give you a try on the field and it worked i learned a lot of this from an article uh in a series on k-state's own website in the research and extension website uh called what now that's rural yes kansas profile now that's rural blake lynch stay tuned for other updates from k-state's now that's rural challenge. It starts with, does a little guy have a chance in football? The game of football is obviously populated with big, strong players. Also, I hope the Iowa asshole who snitch tagged me to Mark Morehouse, uh, snitch tagged Spencer to the Kansas Rural Extension Co-op Board for uh, bringing that's rural to our attention. I got snitch tagged, uh, speaking of, to our number five team. Complaining about Pat Fitzgerald. Somebody snitch tagged me. Is that, our, is that our block for this year now that we've moved past block for tedium? Like a snitch tag, just an auto block now? Yeah. Snitch tag, That's auto cool. block. You can't be trusted. I can't remember who the snitch tagger was because I immediately muted him. Yeah. Go ahead, though, and have your real life memories, Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah. I'll be making them on the internet where they live forever. <laughs> God. Um, anyway, back to Northwestern football, a ragtag band of human beings in CGI cat suits, desperately trying to claw, cat term, the mantle of Chicago's college football team back from Michigan. That's right. The Wolverines are treating the conference like a risk board. Conquering Detroit was their Kamchatka. What do you mean they can't conquer Indianapolis if they can't ever play a game there? Our eyes are turned westward, comrades. I don't actually know if Indiana is east of Michigan or not. Doesn't matter, Field Marshal. We'll make it work. All right. I got to be honest. Uh, I would have more jokes about whatever mulings have just dribbled forth from Pat Fitzgerald's gaping maw, but I hear his name and my eyes just glaze over with ennui, not unlike a cat. Uh, anyway, I learned earlier today that Northwestern won their division last year, which is how fast I change the channel whenever they're on television. Wow. Yeah, I'd fully forgotten that they were actually in the Big Ten championship game until somebody sent me the clip of a touchdown being announced by Gus Johnson. 
and Gus Johnson. <laughs> Wisconsin. Yeah, touchdown, Wisconsin. I mean, Northwestern. It's perfect. It's, uh, uh, anyway, so they. What was I looking for? Oh, I had this website open. That Northwestern's is not the only website that does this, but they're the only one that makes me want to take it personally. They they pop up and tell you to disable your ad blocker, like on the school's fucking website. <laughs> The use of software that blocks ads hinders our ability to serve you the content you came here to enjoy. Buddy, I'm looking up Northwestern's football schedule. What makes you think I want to enjoy anything? Cops. Yeah. Right. So they uh, they swiped Hunter Johnson out of Clemson uh, as a transfer quarterback. I'm not as interested in that. And not just because they were last in the league in sacks allowed last year and lost three of those guys. Uh, this is one of those great situations where, well... You trailed your conference in sacks allowed, but at least you lost all three guys responsible for that. Mm. That's addition by subtraction. Mm. I would vastly prefer to discuss their star running back, Isaiah Bowser. How did you escape the Big 12 with a name like that? What business did you have being born in Ohio? Imagine getting to wear a home Texas Tech jersey that just says Bowser across the back. He is uh, disappointingly not rotund, I believe. He mm-hmm. runs like Bowser, though. Yeah. Like, like it's there's a there's a quote I found from his position coach that I really love. Uh, it says, "What I like about him: the one yard gains are three yard gains, and the three yard gains are five yard gains. He really does run with this implacable uh, Bowser like forward momentum. And I mean, he's only a sophomore; he's got time to get rotund. If somebody puts the Bowser top hat." For Mario Odyssey on him on the sidelines, um, which is what scores. color? Oh, it's purple, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That purple wedding suit. Yeah, just about the only thing that can make up for losing a quarterback named Thorson. Clayton Thorson. Clayton Thorson. Um, anyway, this is Northwestern. So, what am I doing talking about offense? Although, if anybody can carry a team on its back, it's the running back named Bowser. Uh, who's I think a sophomore this year. So hopefully we'll get to enjoy him for uh, a couple more years Uh, from a cursory glance through my obligatory preseason content vaults. uh, It seems that they also returned seven of their top 10 tacklers. And I believe eight defensive starters to a unit that carried them to that division win last year Uh, and a bold move for Northwestern. They also have many enthusiastic linebackers. How original. Um, And they opened their season at Stanford private school kid fight. Here at Cardinal Venus VC, we have transcended beyond books and imbibe instead the essence of the sun and moon. So my only Northwestern note from this year is uh, a listener of the full cast came up to me and said, hey, man, did you see that shit at Northwestern? To which I was like, their offense. That's not. Yeah, that's not. No um, offense to Isaiah Bauer, offense to everyone else. Yeah, that's not uh, a question you hear a lot, right? Normally it's like, hey, did you see that shit at like UTSA? With the tone of the guy in Young Guns when they take peyote and say, you see the size of that goddamn chicken? Yeah. Um, this this was a story at Northwestern, which is one of the most Northwestern stories ever. Um, this was the... We should actually probably just get this guy on it. These two guys who came up and accosted us with this story are in this fraternity. They are Northwestern Sigma Chi's. So, so, Peter Schnellenbach of Sigma Chi fraternity at Northwestern was accused of stealing $460,000 from the Sigma Chi Home Association while he was president from 2006 to 2012. And 
This is serious money because that's punishable by up to like 15 years in prison. Is that the good part? No, no, no. I'm not even done with the good part, okay? He he took this money over this time, 460 grand, and used a, like over 267,000 of it to fund an Iraqi investment account. If you're familiar with the Iraqi dinar scam, where a bunch of people swear that like the valuation of the Iraqi den- dinar will like make them all billionaires, yeah, he put that in there. You know what he did with the rest of it? Online trading, credit cards, and a membership to the Chicago Yacht Club. This is absolutely the most Northwestern scandal possible. I'm not the only way it could be worse is if it involved textbook buybacks. I'm at. I'm not even at the best part. Here's Wait, the best do you part. Think they would. Do you think they would be madder at him if he had sold his textbooks back illegally because he's returning a book? Yeah. That versus Iraqi dinar. Mm. Mm. Will the money be used to purchase more books? Mm-mm. More illustrious books, leather bound books. Mm. That's not the best part, though. This guy who was the was involved with Sigma Chi at Northwestern at the time of the crimes. I'm sorry. At the time of his arrest, he was 77 years old. This is this is the darkest version of old school imaginable, and I'm here for it. You're still trucking through this, by the way. You got back to back because our number our number four team is Texas Christian University. I'm sorry. Is that half the greatest matchup in bowl history? The Cheez It Bowl, Texas Christian University. That is correct. Let's start off by saying you're welcome. Uh, you're welcome to TCU ungrateful heels i got beef with tcu uh elaborate please yes uh they cost me money how did that happen i uh uh well let's say you know i I definitely wasn't gambling on the cheese it bowl because i was in the state of florida (laughs) where that um so we all remember the cheese it bowl obviously finished uh the halftime score was seven nothing uh Mm -hmm. so like any in-game better uh i not that you were one of those well yeah not you know i was consulting somebody who was uh but uh you know went on the app saw what the live in-game you know odds were you know we're expecting a low scoring second half just based on the game and i said well you know it looks like that they're pretty good odds on no points being scored or no touchdowns being scored in the third. Oh, I remember this. Oh God, I remember when this happened to you. Yes. So like I remember the incident rather. Yes. So, you know, (laughs) let's read these timestamps. How close was it? uh, it, I'll pull up the box score real quick. (laughs) Uh, But what I do remember was taking that, um, taking the bet or, you know, if I would have actually taken the bet um, and like, it was going like way too well but not in a sense of like worry, worrisome, but you know, I probably should have been pretty worried. Um, so the third quarter goes on pretty much without incident. I mean, like nobody really got close to scoring in the game until a really like a way too short punt uh, that was returned pretty impressively by TCU. Um, so TCU gets this pretty good punt return. They're in business. Um, I think they were like around like the 30 yard line or something. Um, and I was like with like four minutes to go. So I was like, all right, we're, we're really done here. Um, and then obviously TCU's cheese it bowl offense showed up and they couldn't get anywhere. So the clock is running down the end of the third quarter. I am feeling good. We are living good. And then uh, Shea Ulanulua 
breaks off a, uh, I think he broke off like a long run, got close. They're one yard out. Um, and then the time runs out and ESPN like goes to commercial. And so it was like, okay, like they didn't score a touchdown. We're good. Like I cashed out. They come back from commercial and literally (laughs) the ESPN broadcast is like, yeah, unbeknownst to anybody, they did the review while we were gone for commercial, gave him the touchdown, and we are putting three seconds back on the clock. And we're on Twitter watching this happen to you in real time. Literally never gamble. (laughs) This was like not even a top 30 crazy thing from this game. And yet for us, it was one of the most special moments. It was the worst thing happening to to somebody I knew personally. It was truly incredible. That was, oh, I'm, I'm look, Jason, I'm looking at the post right now. TCU put in a quarterback with drop foot. Yeah, that drop foot. <laughs> yep. He ran then around for a little run? bit too. Yeah. Yeah. He was stumping around out there. Let's add injury to insult. Uh, a receiver with zero receiving yards got ESPN's <laughs> scholarship player of the game bullshit. Yeah. Uh, TCU's SID caused a sideline infraction. Jesus. Six Man, picks. Have you noticed that it's always Christian schools from uh, from Texas whose SIDs are causing midfield? There were two interceptions on illegal throws. Gary Patterson iced his own kicker. <laughs> oh, I I just want to keep talking about TCU football past, um, but I, I suppose we need to move forward on to TCU football futures. Oh, which hey, that sounds like a shady investment scheme, doesn't it? Um, how's that for a fucking segue? Spencer just walked out of the room. I assume in disgust. Um, anyway, receiver Jalen Ragor, in, in addition to having a, I don't know if that's Ragor or Rigor, and I'm sorry, but I got distracted by the fact that it sounds like a Game of Thrones dragon name. There is a dragon named Ragor, so I'm just gonna call him that. Uh, he's incredible, and that's the best news they have on offense. Uh, they do have an O lineman, uh, Lucas Nyang, who's also really good. Both of them, the reason I bring up these two specific players is both of these guys are good enough that the Fort Worth Star-Telegram is already worrying about them skipping the bowl game. Like, they did this yesterday, July 21st, in an article. Pre-hand-wringing over the notion of these guys skipping a bowl game. That bowl is like maybe the Alamo Bowl tops. So the stakes aren't high here. Uh, they're they're pre they're worried already that the Alamo will be forgotten, which I hear is is kind of a big deal for them. Um, so part of the problem in that game was was not having a quarterback, and that's still kind of a problem. They've got a they've got a K State transfer quarterback, which is sure. Uh, Alex Delton is the favorite. Uh, they have a starting running back, Sewo Olanua, who is a returning thousand yard rusher. Yay. He was pulled over for weed possession in May. Boo. Um, they get a couple big pieces. DT Ross Blacklock uh, and safety Innis Gaines are both coming back from injury, uh, but still so injury plagued that they had to cancel the spring game. I'm a little concerned about that. Gary, buy more athletic tape and ice packs in all caps is just my next line of notes. I'm just making a, making a shopping list for our pal Gare Bear Nuclear. Uh, road games. Is the other thing you want to know about TCU to sound smart at parties. There are six of them. Um, <laughs> Manhattan, Stillwater, West Lafayette, Lubbock, Norman, and Ames. Ugh. 
Uh, but S&P says nine wins. After after seven and six, a rebound isn't a bad bet at all, especially if they get set at quarterback. He's got a target to throw to, uh, whoever they might be. Um, yeah, that, that concludes my thoughts about TCU. This is where I would put a bunch of frog and football emojis. I Yeah, I don't. I just always wonder about their injuries. Does Gary Patterson have them sleeping in like cement mixers? Are they truly the most rootin' tootin' Texas team? Because they're just out there rambling and getting knocked around and being ruffians and raucous and they're like they're like the cows in a Sims story, <laughs> where they're just all kind of milling around in one corner, <clears throat> with, trapped by couches. <laughs> they are they are they so fighty? That like it's actually impinging their ability to fight on the field, because yeah. I don't know, man. DFW is not that rough. There's no excuse to have these kind of injuries. I yeah. mean, the, you're, the not, you're not frog, that Texas TCU. Think about how the horned frog attacks. It has to bleed. Oh. I think we got you doing three in a row here. I don't love this. I All know. right, I have to. I don't actually like talking this long. Much as can I? <laughs> much as I like to convey otherwise through my actions let, on this program. Let me let me ask you one thing: mm. Is Washington, as the Pac-12's best representative and hope, are they playing a team that's going to have a big defensive line in their opener? No. No. What do you mean? No, because that that happens. Washington just shows up, and they inevitably don't have enough big butts. And they we, can't. Weird. What happens in week one? Huh? That's, who are they playing? Pretty sure it's Eastern Washington. Huh? Okay. How about week two? Week two? No. Is there a game you're trying to get me to? You keep going. I'll get you there. Okay. All right. Just tell me what you want me to say. No, you go. All right. Um, I I think Bill Connolly's uh, headline on this: R.I.P. Bill C actually sums it up beautifully. Washington's rebuilding, but could run away with the Pac-12 anyway. Um, this 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 is accurate. The thing that I wanted to talk about Washington football uh, the most is their recruiting. And I don't have a good segue into that. They don't get enough credit for that. Uh, or maybe they do. It's hard to hear them all the way over here. We, we just watched uh, last year's Chick-fil-A kickoff game, so I'm a little bit... I'm a little bit shaky on Washington right now. Uh, hey, Jake Browning is gone, which has to feel like a relief. Kinda. I mean, no offense. He's stressful. He's very stressful to watch. I wish the very best of luck to Jake Browning. But listen, I lived through the Eric Ainge area. It did not make for sleepful nights. Um, I, I just, I, I feel like, I feel like I'm just, I, Jake Browning and Washington football are both going to be if not better than at least more relaxed and comfortable. Now that now that now that you're apart, you'll see all of these things. Yeah. That you didn't see before. Yeah. Unfortunately, his replacement is Jacob Eason, uh, late of Georgia. And you know what? No, no, no more quarterbacks named Jake. I'm sorry, we have too many. Uh, you remember those signs that they would put up along railroad lines during the Great Depression to warn train warn off train hobos? It was like, keep going. We can't take care of our own. Yeah. We, we have had an elegant sufficiency of Jake's. I'm I'm done. I'm had it. It's a recruiting like strength, though. You have to, right? Like I don't know. He's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, here's a kid who couldn't hack it in Georgia because he came into Athens without a reversible first and last name. It's close, but Eason is either a first name from the actual Great Depression or something a current millennial would name their current infant. Sorry, no dice. But he's trading Athens for Seattle. Well done, college student. That's a big turn too. Like, but I think he's got several things that will come. They're in both handy like there. aggressively bucolic. I think you can wear a hoodie and and cargo shorts in both places. I mean, have you met Brian Floyd? Yeah, 
but uh, you know, Athens, it's just going to be, you have to accessorize differently. I mm-hmm. feel like, you know, the, 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 no, Washington's the boating culture. So they will appreciate his croakies forward lifestyle. Because they might fall in the water. Yeah. 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 This y'all is know by- they have another, y'all know they have another Jake too, right? Oh yeah. Uh, no, I was getting to him. Okay. Uh, I mean, I wasn't going to get to him, but I was just like enough, enough Jake's enough quarterbacks named Jake do something different. That's why they didn't recruit anybody not named Jake. Yeah. Gotta be named Jake. Um, this is also where I recommend that you go to a game. Uh, I have a soft spot in my heart for boat tailgate situations. And while this is not the one that I grew up in, it is definitely the most pleasant to attend because it is the least likely to be hotter than Satan's asshole on game days. Uh, I wouldn't venture onto the water for that Utah game uh, because I am a weak-willed, tropical-blooded Southworm. But they get USC at the end of September. Try that. Uh, USC will be miserable and potentially winless at that point. So you know you'll have something to look forward to. Are we going to mention a potentially winless USC <laughs> for the first already, like month and a half of the season? We already, we already every, did this, I think, a couple Yeah, but week we're or still, I just, we need to hammer that. Okay, yeah. Right. Hey, maybe an 0-6 USC team. Anyway, uh, S&P Plus favors, uh, favors Washington in every game because Pac-12, they have attrition holes to patch on the line. Uh, and you never know what you're going to get quite with a new quarterback. But, you know, this is the kind of team where here's the thing with Washington this year. This is the kind of team where right here, I would say that I cannot wait for them to absolutely ruin somebody else's season, except they're kind of above the rest of the conference on paper, which means they're going to have their own season ruined probably by Utah in the first week of November. I do not make the rules. They have, they have the makeup of a team who I'm like, Ooh, they're going to ankle bite somebody. No, they're not. They're favored in every game. Wait, does, does Utah play in Seattle, they're playing. Yeah, yeah, first week of November. Yeah, so they're Utah's going to do that thing where they just try to drive trucks into the water. Yeah, like that's the most Utah football thing is mm-hmm. just to, to go to build a reef. Yeah, you have a truck. It's a it's a boat. It's part of our coastal sustainability program here at Utah. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> it'll float. It'll be fine. Call back. Yeah, uh, that's the only real danger here. The rest yeah. is like smooth sailing. I believe I <laughs> smooth as a boat tailgate. Does this, by the way, lead to Washington? Uh, what I was trying to get to, by the way, was Washington does not open with any SEC team or Big Ten team. They're not doing the Oregon thing, right? Where they're going to face, uh, I believe, Auburn in the opener. No, but they're playing Eastern Washington. No, they got they got that. That's you remember Eastern Washington's like Washington State's problem. It's not Washington's problem. They got that. You just don't want them having the thing where we get disappointed early. By Washington not being able to stack up at the line of scrimmage against somebody. We're going to get disappointed late because my, like, the call on this. I still think that Utah is absolutely going to sneak up and wreck them. Sure. And that turns them into the one loss Pac-12 team. Uh, in the Pac-12, which Utah plays in, which is a power conference. Mm-hmm. It is a power conference. Many people are saying. Utah is a power conference. Yeah, mm-hmm. Utah is a power conference. Oh, hey. Mention Jason, that. welcome back. But this is this is setting up again for Washington to be the one loss Pac-12 representative that is either shut out of the playoff <laughs> or gets Wait, in the playoff. Wait, how can we shut them out while also shutting out the Big 12? We can get there. I'll we've, get there. We've done this already. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was. Wait, you mean this has happened before? Mm. I mean, you get two SEC or two Big 10 or I, Notre I, Dame. I'm sorry. I was trying to joke and it did not work. No, um, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, we could do like three. Oh, no, S- we could absolutely do this. We could do three SEC and Notre Dame. Now, the, the Eastern Washington thing I keep hammering on just because of my I, – I maintain my philosophy there that you want to avoid teams with the adjective pesky for your season opener because they have the ability to make you look like assholes regardless of whether you win the game. Yeah. 
Yeah, because so, week one is like the week where even coaches are like, oh, we don't fucking know what's going to happen. Mm-mm. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's all we can my uh, my all-time favorite week one story was always i was uh i was embedded with my alma mater at one point and they had uh they had a, a recruiting coordinator who was very young even for a recruiting coordinator like like mid mid 20s if that and i was i was asking him about you know what's what's the hardest thing to teach you know kids kids some of whom are still 17 uh, at this point, I think this was one of Dooley's really young teams. So it was that long ago. And he's like, he looked straight at me. And he was like, getting them to remember to all pack socks. Yeah. And I kind of looked at him for a minute and he's like, the number of runs we have had to send people on to CVS to just get bags and bags of socks for these kids who have never not had a, a parent pack. For them. It's a great week for, for, it's a great week for coaching points because after week one, I'm saying, how are you supposed to know what you're going to have on the field? If you don't know if everyone has socks in their bag, how'd you let Sacramento state get 22 first downs? Like, yeah, nobody will remember this in four weeks, Mm-mm. but there'll be some embarrassing things that happen in week one to even really, really good teams. Yeah. And to be fair in week one, I can't be trusted to pack socks in my own bag. No. This is not, I'm just saying we're all adjusting. So that takes us to the top two teams here in the purple division. Um, purple division team number two, who I have just a hair under the defending national champions, Clemson at major one. Major key alert. Yeah, super major key alert. Uh, that would be LSU. Speaking of Keith. Yeah. LSU is uh, the number two team in the division. I have them there for a number of reasons. Uh, every offseason, um, Richard, I want to play a little a little quiz game with you, and I promise you'll know the answer. Uh, the category is LSU's offense. All right. And we're going to play this Jeopardy style. I want you to answer in the form of a question. Got it. All right. And that's this. Run pass options. The category is LSU offense. And the answer that you need to provide or the question for is run pass options. Three. LSU? Yes. For LSU offense. Run pass options for LSU's offense. I mean, they're just running. It's LSU. I don't know about passing. Boop, boop, boop. The correct question we're looking for is, what is this year's bullshit that they say they're going to do? But uh, Why you got to just spring a game? This is something you do to Ryan. You don't do this to a guest. Listen, Richard is an adult. He can handle it. All right. It, which well, I'm is, sure he can handle it. It's just rude. It's very rude. Right. Didn't so, Coach O say last year, he was like, yeah, we wanted to run five wide, and then we realized we didn't have five wide receivers. Which, all right. Run five wide, didn't have five guys. <laughs> Go get five guys. I'm hungry. Yeah, no, I they did say that. But, I mean, I know what he means. It's just the kind of thing that a coach really shouldn't say out loud because everybody will go to the depth chart and go, hey, these guys are really good, right? That's not what he means. They didn't Bobcat have- Goldthwaite, SEC analyst? Yes. They didn't know if they could depend on five guys to know what the play was every single time, right? And that's like the kind of bracing honesty that you appreciate as a reporter and that as a fan, it probably isn't something you want hitting your ears. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it, but, you know, underwhelming underwhelming projections uh, or underwhelming the things that your recruiting ranking would lead you to believe is, is a feature of LSU, not a bug. Yeah, and especially on offense. And that's where things get scary for LSU because uh, when you look to preview their season, uh, you still got a lot of the same things in place. That's good. 
And on offense, that's especially good. There's a ton of talent on that offense. They return almost everybody. They have an outstanding running back who's going to share carries, but still an outstanding running back in Clyde's Edward Hilaire. An outstanding quarterback. There's the Burrow back. Outstanding. Yeah, just an incredible quarterback who still, for some reason, like if I told you this. The beautiful quarterback. It's a beautiful, looks just like Jason Kirk. Just like Jason Kirk's beautiful son who sometimes completes more than 50% of his passes. That's a problem. It is a problem. Like Joe Burrow is the best quarterback I know of in college football who won't hit half of his passes. Right? So like they've won games with him hitting like forty seven percent of his passes. Throwback style, like literally. Sometimes just, literally. Go go, yeah. look, go look up Joe Namath's completion percentage. Joe Burrow is a throwback type of quarterback. Yeah, they got a coach from the Saints who's going to be their quarterback coach, and they're like, "Yeah, we're going to do RPOs this year." Okay, cool. You're on the like, you're on 2012's hottest trend in 2019. It's not confidence inspiring, and yet. LSU is so it's talented. LC, it, like, confidence is boring, man. <laughs> Just that's that's what they need to fix. Yeah, they lost some stuff on defense. I, I'm I ain't really worried about that because you know they're like, oh, we lost Greedy Williams at cornerback. I don't know. All you guys do is just find cornerbacks who can run four fours and have perfect pass pro uh, pass coverage yeah, technique. Not right? perfect. We saw Greedy Williams Gre- earlier today. Greedy to get eaten up. A couple of times in that Texas A&M LSU 7 OT game. But that's going to happen when you play for seven hours. You're going to get beat a couple of times, okay? The only reason we noticed it is because it's Greedy Williams. Yeah. They do have to replace Devin White at linebacker, which that's that's not an easy replacement. Again, I, Again I think... Again, unless you're LSU. These things matter, right? Like, Devin White is a first-rounder. He's incredible. It's, it's going to be hard to replace him. Fortunately, they have an embarrassment of riches. That's been the story for a while with LSU is that they have an embarrassment of riches. So when do they lose? I don't think Joe Burrow has a lot to do with how LSU is going to do this year. I really don't. I, I think like they have to run the ball. In the two games where they lost last year, and one of them pretty definitively at home, 29-0 to Alabama, they couldn't run the ball real well. Florida did just enough to stop them. Alabama did a little bit more. Listener, just a little bit more. Then, then stop them occasionally when they needed to. So as long as they run the ball, they can make stuff happen. They can do things on offense, and the defense will be fine. This is a uh, they have a right tackle named Austin Deculus. This is one of my notes, strictly because I think there need to be more right tackles in college football who are named things like Deculus, Deculus the Merciless. But this is a three peak season for LSU. Yeah, they play Texas. It's effectively an exhibition. But this is like a Tour de France mountain stage. Okay. First peak when you go up, that's Florida. They get them at home, right? So theoretically, LSU should win in Death Valley against Florida. Has that been the case in this game? Nothing has been the case in that game for, I don't know, 15 years running. Thank you, Les Miles. The second peak is Alabama. That's at Bama. I just assume LSU loses that game because that's what they do. They don't stack up well against them, and I don't know if slapping a couple of RPOs on this here used car is going to get it off the lot. I don't think it will. I think Alabama's still going to decline to purchase and, and and move on and hand them another loss. But then coming down from the Bama game, here's the trick. Their season could catch up at Ole Miss. I know you go, oh, man, Ole Miss, they're, 
They're awful, and I don't know anything about them, but I'm pretty sure they're awful. Yeah, but it's going to be the week after Bama. And traditionally, the week after you play Bama, the body blows theory holds, you're not going to be in great shape. No one on that team is going to be in great shape. So that's a problem. And then Arkansas is right behind that. That's probably the trickiest stretch. And I'm not saying because those are better teams than LSU, because by roster, there are very few teams in college football that are better than LSU. I'm just saying the timing sucks. And then the last one, the one I'm maddest about is how well the AM game works because this is a manufactured like like reawakening of this semi-rivalry that was really big kind of around 1972. And damn it, it really works. I know the 7-0-T game like sort of kicked this into overdrive, but having AM at the end of the season to be not the rival. I didn't say you had rivals, LSU. Would yeah. never. Would never. You hate everyone. And there are no rivals. A&M, of course, has no rivals either. No. Not thinking about you. Not about anybody. Not hearing the soft mooing in the moonlight. Ew. You're, uh, my, you're missing moonlight. my favorite LSU fact, uh, LSU roster fact this season, which is mm. the backup running back uh, named Lenard Fournette. Ooh. Lenard, yeah. Sibling no relation. Sibling that name probably Leonard. rings a bell. Um, but yeah, that that's their third peak. So you gotta you got three hills you gotta climb, and you have to manage the rest in between LSU. As always, as we have said for I don't know, like at this point, sixteen years running, this is a potential national title team. They could also lose two or three games in stupid fashion. And the thing that's going to make or break that is production on offense and beating Alabama. Having said those two things, it sounds a lot like they're not going to beat Alabama. So you can just go ahead and pass on that. Buddy, if we're talking LSU, they could be a national title team and lose two games in stupid fashion. Yeah, come on. Don't box them in. That's true. That's true. So, yeah. The, the last thing, by the way, considering how they how they play certain games in this series, how's that kicker? Yeah, he's a freshman. And allegedly just going to throw him right in, Cade York. So good luck, Cade York. I hope this is the last time I hear your name. Because if I hear it again, it'll probably be because you missed something important. Finally, number one in the division, uh, there's Clemson. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Noted football enthusiasts. Yeah. Let's just like beat. Like, this is quick. You know, everybody. Let's just beat. Yeah, they do that. Yeah. Here. Um, sure, they lost three first rounders on the D-line. That's probably going to matter. They probably won't be as good as last year. By the way. Go look up how obscenely good they were last year on defense and realize that a step down from that still puts you in the penthouse, right? This is like, oh, now I'm... Of the castle. Of the penthouse, of the castle. That your coach bought. Mm-hmm. That looks like a La Quinta. The Dabo Quinta. Yeah, that's... They're still really insanely good. Xavier Thomas is the guy to watch uh, as a replacement on that D-line. Brett Venables. Uh, Brett Venables going to have him ready. I feel very... Very uncertain saying anything is absolutely certain in college football, but Brett Venable's going to have him ready and do a bunch of confusing stuff. 100% something that I am confident saying. Uh, that leaves the offense, and guess what? They get uh, they get pretty much everybody back. we got to replace a couple stars on that line, but that line's real deep, and they've rotated not only through uh, camp, but in the during the championship season in 2018. Um, there's just an embarrassment of riches all around. Uh, what what games can they lose, do you ask, with Trevor Lawrence throwing to Justin Ross and T. Higgins? T. Higgins, by the way, best bad ball catcher in college football. Like, 
don't throw it right to T Higgins. Make T Higgins like get a jet pack and, you know, fly 200 feet in the air to catch your errant pass. Cause he will get it. He might drop an easy five yard hitch, but T Higgins, T Higgins will catch the ball that you threw uh, with the hand that was holding like a bunch of cotton candy, right? Now cotton candy sticky. Let's go with something sloppy, like a bunch of like okra that you just washed. Yeah. This is one of my worst metaphors. I'm the just going to drop it right here. That's a damn okra ball. He'll catch the okra ball. Well, you're in the right state. That's true. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, throw, throw T. Higgins that okra ball. Wait, hang on one second. I have to measure the distance from Clemson to Irmo, South Carolina. Yeah, it ain't that far. But where on, on where on earth could they lose? Well, they do play Texas A&M, but, but even then, not a conference game. In conference, they're really like their only challenge. Yeah, it's further than you think. It's like two hours. Irmo's like way closer to Columbia. But we'll, 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 uh, we'll have to... We'll have to Arvo, like, South Carolina, home of the greatest agricultural festival in the United States, the Okra Strut. And there's Trevor Lawrence right there in the middle of it, guaranteed, getting that okra ball ready. We should go to the Okra Strut. But yeah, that their road schedule, their road schedule is a joke. And I only say that because it's funny. NC State, at NC State, at South Carolina. Oh, God, they're going to hammer South Carolina. Tab on the Okra Strut website, Okra News. Louisville, UNC. Syracuse. So let's see. That's uh, NC State, South Carolina, under Will Muschamp in what, year 14 of his coaching tenure. It's going to turn around any minute. Of his carapace. Two first-year coaches at Louisville and UNC in what could be gently termed as rebuilding years. And then you're like fourth-string quarterback versus Syracuse. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Tom. That's hey, you're, you're going to be facing Tommy DeVito at Syracuse. That's a... That's no, that's no small thing right there. I'm actually kind of serious about that. That's a tough road game for them. That's what qualifies for a tough road game. Everything else is just like really easy. So are they going to make the national championship again? Yeah, because uh, they have a buyer extra rest before their three toughest games. Ta-da! Congratulations, Clemson. You're going to be the ones who, uh, you know, give Washington false hope for a quarter before crushing them as the Pac-12 representative in the national college football playoff they're the top in the purple division and you know they're like really well set up to win the national title again sorry didn't mean to like take all the drama out of the season but you know pencil them in it's all right now we can do the back half of this preview I think just, just like last year the the drama is from number three on down and that's fine so the uh, the other division in the oddball conference is the assorted division. These are the teams that we felt like merited inclusion in our fake power five, but the, 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 they just didn't have jersey cohesion with any other real group. And Richard, I want to propose we go through these teams in reverse order of Vegas win total. Um which would mean we would lead with the team that best exemplifies the assorted division, of course, the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Aloha. Team is literally every color. Their win total uh, projection this year you can bet on is five and a half. Because of that, I'm going to go ahead and declare this the, um, the Sandman's ice-cold lead pipe lock of the preseason. Hawaii over 5.5. So last year, they might have been the least experienced team in the country, uh, and they won eight games anyway. This year, they might be the most experienced team in the country. Um, Just one 
uh, just one facet is if you look at their backup offensive linemen this year, counting guys who were filling in last year and transfers and JUCOs and so forth, the backup line for Hawaii this year might be more experienced than the starting line was last year when they were literally converting defensive linemen and shit. Uh, Cole McDonald, probably one of my two or three favorite players in the country. He's no longer a rookie. Whole defense is either returning starters or JUCOs. Uh, this team, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, they're probably not going to win their conference or anything, but can they get to six and seven? Sure. Six and seven, of course, not six and six, because when you bet on the Hawaii over under, you get an extra game to play with. Uh, the schedule's a little tougher. It's not super brutal. I think I, the way I look at it is they have eight winnable home games. Um, the hardest might be like Arizona, Army, what have you, but there's some, you know, there's some freebies in there. Uh, there's three winnable road games, Nevada, UNLV, New Mexico. I think you put that together, you can get to six and seven and you've just made money on the Hawaii rainbow warriors. I didn't have a lot else to say about this particular franchise. Yeah. I mean, they're just out there. Do they play another? So they <laughs> they're, they're quite game. out there. They are as out there as it gets in the ocean. They, they got like eight bye weeks this year. Cause they, uh, play, they, Everybody's got two, and then Hawaii gets the extra one because they always play week zero. Well, it's actually the other way around. Everybody else has two. Hawaii gets one because <laughs> they're playing so damn many games. If they were to make the Mountain West title game and the playoff and the national title game, they'd have to go 16-0, and 0. <laughs> at which point they're the fucking 72 Dolphins. <laughs> well, you know, which, they still play in I the, mean, what, in the old Pro Bowl team to be stadium. Dolphins? So, uh, it's, if unless well unless Hawaii makes the New Year's Six, they will almost certainly be playing in the Hawaii Bowl, where they will they will very likely draw the other team that has a Hawaii Bowl tie this year, a team that makes the assorted division of the Oddball Conference because we have assigned them the color white. We're referring to Richard Johnson's BYU Cougars. You love to see it. Uh, BYU actually uh, features Zach Wilson at quarterback, uh, who I I would like to propose dubbing the Mormon Manziel. Um, <laughs> Zach is uh, so he didn't start until like November last year, um, and they almost beat Boise with him at the helm. Like he's one of those guys. Like Manziel. Like, you remember, like, B- you remember when Manziel was playing and, like, the way he runs, it was always one of those, like, every time. What's up, what, 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 yeah, exactly. It was like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. And then he's, like, 40 yards down the field. Like, Zach Wilson is like that. He's also, like, a smaller-ish guy. Um, but is a he, he got a big bowl bump. He threw for, like, 400 yards in the bowl game against Western Michigan. They put up, like, 50 points. Um, so hopefully they'll be fun. You get to watch him. Um, but on the topic of Mormon Manziel, it got me thinking about how quickly Johnny Manziel would have been thrown out of BYU, uh, via the honor code violations that he would have racked up. Um, so I spoke to a local, uh, Mormon correspondent. Uh, so the BYU honor code, which if you offend too often, will yes, get you kicked off the football team, kicked out of school. We all have heard stories about athletes that get banned uh, for honor code violations. Um, There's the normal stuff that you would expect. I think Uh, there's no booze. Uh, You can't hang out in the opposite in, in the room of a student of the opposite sex after a certain hour. Um, You have to abstain from alcohol, uh, no porn either. That's whatever. 
But the other thing is uh, you have to qualify to wear a beard at BYU. So, Spencer, you're out. Uh, I'm also out. Uh, So uh, there are three qualifications that you can get. You can get a beard waiver. Uh, One of them is a medical condition. The other one is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the other one is if, on. the other one is if you are in a, a Latter Day Saints film or theatrical performance that re- requires you to have a beard. So like if you're playing Jesus in a movie or something, mm. um, or if the religion dictates that the growth of the beard is like okay, I don't really know how that works. Um, but the the other the other side of the coin is having this beard card means you can't shave. So you can't trim. So you just have to let it go, which means you have to walk around with a neck beard. They're very serious about this. Uh, Notable beards in Mormon history include, wait for it, Brigham Young. He had a beard. Wow. Uh, So we're learning stuff today. Uh, But besides that, yeah, that's a little bit on the Mormon Manziel. uh, Zach Wilson, who's a lot of fun to watch and will have, I think BYU should be a little bit higher in this uh, because of Zach. So, what kind of medical condition are we talking about here? Like your jaw fell off, and or something like that, and you're no, it, you. I think one one of them is um, one of those is if you have uh, kind of a folliculitis, like if you oh can't, yeah, like if you can't shave, if you can't shave, or if yeah. you get keloid stars, oh, you have if you a very shave, sensitive skin or something like yeah, that, yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. like a dental condition, like it, yeah. you can't press on your face. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Is so there that's... a beard waiver committee? I would imagine yes. I didn't look that deep into that, but I would imagine yes, because you literally, it's like the term is beard card that you would have. Because apparently... Like show your papers and you flash your beard card? Yeah, because apparently it's, it's on professors to like flag if somebody has a beard violation. God, how many fucking emails do you... Like, okay, being, being a public, I, I, I'm speaking as the child of, of, many public educators here but being a public educator already involves so much shit that should not be your problem but is can you imagine how much more extreme that is at byu i'm yeah, most interested know. by the um you can't get rid of it once you like you've just signed on to become john the baptist yeah <laughs> it just has to go that's pretty good that's pretty good i'm glad this university exists for things like that and uh, also filling out the Hawaii Bowl. Uh, BYU also goes back-to-back, uh, if I'm reading the schedule right, they go back-to-back Knoxville, Los Angeles on the uh, on the old schedule. Sure. So, hey, that's yeah. all I did. They, that's they play my the, thing. They, oh, no, no, excuse me. They don't go to Los Angeles. They host USC. Oh, so USC, mind. mighty USC is playing a road game at BYU. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's about all I got at BYU. Oh, USC's going to lose that game, too. Yeah, yeah. We forgot that's that. That's done. <laughs> As lo- if, if we can get up to, like, 20 mentions of USC going 0-6 by the time kickoff starts, so, I think it'll actually happen. I have some thoughts on this. I know it was going to astonish you, but I really feel like this show is serving as the necessary ballast to all the cosmic imbalance of years and years and years of ranking USC for no goddamn reason. Oh yeah, we we will intentionally underrate USC until very very proven otherwise. We are restoring balance to the universe. Like USC went nine and three, did they? Hmm. I, I don't think so. I didn't see no. that. 
Nope. It's fiction. Can't prove that. Uh, next up in the assorted division is the first of a uh, let's see, handful, couple of green teams. We didn't have a. There goes a jet overhead. Looks like a. Uh, that's just a commercial jetliner. Nothing exciting mm-hmm. to report. Michigan State is down for seven and a half wins this year, which feels a little bit low to me because they return almost literally everybody. Um, I think if they can stay healthy, I think then you're looking at like Mark D'Antonio is probably his dream vision of a football team, which would be it's it's nine and four, hideous nine and four, and it goes to befoul some bowl game in Florida on just like December 28th or some awful day like that, you know? Um, so, I mean, we know what Michigan State's going to be. Like, like who cares? I'm sure they have, like, 19 really good linebackers and whatever. What I would prefer to do here is to go through their schedule and see how many of the teams they've played they have, like, an especially gruesome, brutal series with and to see how recently the most gruesome, brutal game was. And I've also sort of ranked these from, like, that could be a normal football game to like, oh God, don't watch that. So it starts with Tulsa. They've never played. Tulsa, mm-hmm. guess what? You're in for a treat. You're going to love it. You're really going to love playing Michigan State. Um, <laughs> next would be Western Michigan, which it's it's been a little too competitive for MSU. Uh, 1985 MSU 7 WMU 3. That's, that's what we want to go for here. Yeah. Third on the list, Rutgers. So <laughs> we're already to Rutgers, and uh, we're going to go with 2018 because MSU is four minutes away from losing to a one and eleven team that gained 217 yards that day. This is Michigan State football. You're even capable of almost losing to an especially bad Rutgers. Uh, next up, Illinois. In 1962, Michigan State went from number seven to getting blown out twice to blowing out number nine Northwestern to losing seven and six to a two and seven Illinois. Michigan State has always been Michigan State. Uh, Maryland, you're next. 1950, when number two Michigan State misses, misses out on what would have been the country's best national title game, thanks to Maryland's defense outscoring Michi- Michigan State's offense. Uh, and now we're to the ones where it's it's basically every year. Like Those are some special, special years, but everyone else on this list, it's like Michigan State, Penn State. Right. This is disgusting every year. Uh, 2017, Michigan State won by three in a game with a three hour rain delay that was so long. I think it had multiple pizza breaks. Um, Michigan State, Wisconsin. That sounds disgusting, but this is actually the only team that can get a good game out of Michigan State. Um, They've had thrillers with Hail Marys and all that. So like actually Wisconsin, I should move them up around Tulsa. Let me do that. Okay, uh, next up, Michigan State, Ohio State. Now we're into the really fucking grim stuff. This game every year is 17 to 16, and the team that actually had something to play for gets the 16. Um, next is, here's a good one, Arizona State. Not only hmm. do you have Mark D'Antonio <laughs> versus, like, the NFL version of Mark D'Antonio, these teams, their history, they played three times, nobody's ever cracked 20 points. <laughs> the average score the average score is Michigan State 14, Arizona State 13. Ranked Michigan State is 0 and 2 against unranked Arizona State. So Michigan State comes rolling into this game at that uh, uh, what what would that be? Like 2 and 0 or whatever. Yeah, they're going to lose. Two games left. Michigan State at Michigan. This sounds like pure hell because it is uh every single year 
the top of that list is going to be that six-year run in which Michigan State never scored. <laughs> this was in like the 1930s. Uh, and finally, the most Michigan State game of the year, Michigan State at Northwestern. The only team in the country that likes this shit even more than Michigan State does. Uh, the pinnacle experience, of course, is 2006. Michigan State's 35-point comeback in a game with, uh, I think, six total turnovers. One of the stupidest games in the history of football. That will be... Uh, so you add up all the games there that Michigan State should win. You give them L's for that. The games they should lose, you give them W's for that. That's how you get to 9-4 and four and the fucking um, Outback Bowl or whatever. I'm just next up. Yeah, I'm, Wait, just, I'm just feeling like. Why are the Falcons trending? No, uh, I, no. I don't want to know. I don't want to. Okay, know. I don't either. Yeah. I don't actually either. It can't be good. Uh, cool. All right, carry on. <laughs> next up, uh, looks like it's Miami at eight and a half wins. Uh, my favorite, uh, my favorite factoid about preseason Miami previews is uh, old buddy Bill Connolly uh, for. From Miami's weakness in his preview uh, at Redacted Outlet, it literally just says the forward pass as the weakness. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Miami will be uh, our, me and Spencer's dearly departed uh, alma mater's week zero opponent um, in hot, stuffy Orlando. Um, if anybody has a ticket to that game, definitely don't tell me that you have one. Definitely don't hook me up with that ticket. I definitely, definitely don't want to go to that game. Definitely don't want to. Um, besides that, Miami, Miami strikes me as interesting because Miami may have the most like, fuck this. Why am I here? Like organizational turnover in the last few months, like Mark Rigged left in a you can't fire me i quit type thing where they were like hey you should probably fire your son and stop calling plays and mark rick was like nah i'm out of here and then manny diaz who had previously left to go to temple to take the head coaching job they went back and got him uh and then there's danny nose who if you forgot about danny nose he is now miami's offensive coordinator uh he the biggest Miami controversy of the offseason, give or take, would be whether or not Dan Enos ghosted Nick Saban. Uh, apparently, Dan Enos uh, left in the middle of the night, so they say, uh, his previous job at Alabama, causing a staff meeting the following morning where Nick Saban reportedly, by our friend Bruce Feldman at The Athletic, said, where the fuck is Dan? And nobody had an answer for that question. That caused the literal Twitter statement from Dan Enos to come out that say that says I would never leave an employer without telling uh, them that I was doing so no ghosting here blah 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 nothing but respect for Nick Saban da, 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 da. I cannot imagine what would be more embarrassing than having to as a grown man go on Twitter and say I did not ghost my previous boss <laughs> Uh, and what up to Pat Fitzgerald who thinks phones are the uh, death of society anyway. Um, and then there's also Tate Martell who pieced out of Ohio state. He, uh, is transferring to Miami, excuse me, Tathan Martell, uh, transferred to Miami and will play quarterback for them after receiving a waiver by the NCAA. Uh, he left Ohio state after among other things, uh, incumbent quarterback, Justin Fields, Coming onto the team, they had a war words on Twitter. Uh, Justin Fields also went behind Tate Martell's back and liked a lot of Tate Martell's sister's Instagram posts in one of the most online things that happened last offseason. So Miami's coming into the season with plenty of baggage. Uh, 
and it's going to be very interesting to see if Miami can uh, erase the bad taste of our mouth of the pinstripe bowl uh, in one Yankee stadium where they got absolutely blown up by Wisconsin. By the way, uh, in case you don't know if things have irrevocably changed in terms of what your job is in college football. Are we referring, of course, here to the shutdown full cap? Yeah. The Hello? Minute, yeah. Make yourself known, son. Uh, the the Instagram feud between Fields and Martell, all of those likes undone in about twenty four hours. So yeah. this was a this was a paid professionals day at one point. Was this? You got to get that kid to undo those likes. <laughs> like that's somebody that somebody got paid to do that and know what they were talking about, right? Like some, I really want it to be some fifty seven year old lifetime assistant who had to go to the quarterback and go, could you undo the likeys on the Insta thing? Just, <laughs> just I don't know. I'm, I'm working on protections here, buddy. Could you just, just you know, under the pictures of this girl's butt, could you just not like them? Just do, just do that. Yeah, I like that Miami, like, given the fact that, like, I like that Miami has added one of the most online players in college football because, as we all know, the uh, the three level feud with Florida, Florida State, and Miami is one of the most online things about college football. In that, as Jason uh, so eloquently states, no one ever wins. It's just always two on one. It's fucking awesome. It's the only rivalry that's good <laughs> online. Like every other state, you think your fans are like, oh yeah, it's nonstop war out here. Shut the fuck up and like follow Big Three Twitter. It's awesome. It's awesome. Like, it's a constant dogpile on whoever is down. And, like, they catch all the memes, emojis, crying emojis, like, from two different fronts at once. And everyone's actually funny. Yeah, I think right now is uh, Florida State, Florida State's wide receivers coach, uh, I think, left. I think that's the current thing uh, Big 3 Twitter is currently talking shit about. And I think Florida State is right now in the crosshairs, if I recall correctly last week god knows it'll change in a few days yeah by the time this comes out on uh july the 28th 9th yeah uh next up after miami is oregon pegged for nine wins yeah sure like i don't know like i like they're not cool anymore like they're just <laughs> oregon and that's kind of sad so I don't know. I think that I uh, I may have been given Oregon in the order and not realized it. Um, but what I do know is uh, Mario Cristobal is trying to make the spread a little bit more smash mouth. And they have the quarterback this year that is the prototype uh, white quarterback for next year's draft. But uh, I think this one might be actually good. But then again, we're not sure because he is prototypical white quarterback. Yeah. In other words, a big old trebuchet. That's it. Big old is, trebuchet. Is he better than a... Daniel Jones? That's a trick question. I'm better than Daniel Jones. Yeah, so at least... First rounder. Got, I'm here in first round. Rich, Richard's not prototypical in one specific way. <laughs> Do live in New York, though. That's true. You get to go watch Daniel Jones eight times a year and zero times in the playoffs, so exactly eight. Uh, okay, well, we're going to wrap up the assorted division with a team that some of you wondered why they weren't in the red division. That's because they're gray, okay? Ohio State, down for 10.5 wins. Um, Ohio State, 
they're going to be really good. They're not picked to win the Big Ten this year. Michigan is. Let's see how that turns out for everyone. Um, what could be fine? It'll be go wrong. It'll, it'll be fine. It'll, it'll be great. It'll be great. So an Ohio State season to me, more than any other team, perhaps even more than Bama or Notre Dame, is like this narrative that you can't escape. It's like everyone in the country has to be has to participate in the the sequence of an Ohio State season. Like you're like I'm just trying to root for fucking UTEP, man, and I have to know the the damn highs and lows of every single Ohio State fan's internal monologue for an entire four months we go through this every year there's so many of them they're so very loud they overreact to everything because they're humans but there's so many of them so i think looking at this season like all right the defense jokes they're probably done because you get an experienced talent you know a lot of experienced talent back and greg shiano has gone so there's two good things right there uh i think the offense is going to be the big question because the run game was kind of bad last year same yards per carry as Louisville, say no more. Um, obviously, you drop three yards per carry at quarterback because Dwayne Haskins is slow. But also at running back, J.K. Dobbins went from one of the most explosive players in the country to literally one of the least explosive running backs. His yards per carry also dropped by like three. And now they're replacing an insanely efficient quarterback with Justin Fields, who's capable of anything, but we've never seen him do anything other than fake a punt for Georgia against Alabama. Um, By the way, uh, Georgia faked a punt against Alabama, and Alabama learned nothing from that. (laughs) Uh, Also, Iowa State's replacing almost all of its wide receivers and almost all of its offensive line. Therefore, I say all that to say, here is the narrative we get to for Ohio State this season. It is all about the offense. Right. You plug all these variables into the computer and this is the narrative it spits out. You have not only do you have, you know, Ryan Day is now the guy in charge, which means, uh, you know, modern OC type guy, you know, air raid spread, you know, like this, this puts even more attention on the offense. So I think you start the season with like a few somewhat satisfactory blowouts. Right. You, you have some gripes, but everything looks fine. Then you hit this ugly slump in October full of bullshit wins everyone hates. Uh, I have in my notes, I have beating Michigan State with a botched fake kneel down, beating Northwestern with a walk off sideline infraction, beating Wisconsin with an overtime squib kick, right? Like everyone's very pissed off about all these. Everyone hates the offense. We got to fire Kevin Wilson, get Urban back in here. Oh, God. Uh, Blah, blah. Why can't we score points like Michigan? Michigan's going to have like a top 10 offense at this point, right? So uh, everyone's very mad and everyone in the country is bring, being dragged along as Ohio State fans are just outright furious about their 11-0 and football team. So this 11-0 and team limps into Ann Arbor. Uh, they're a nine-point underdog against number one Michigan. Um, Michigan, I don't, the, I don't, I don't like where this is going. The, the big, I'm, I, I know we've we've been to Ann Arbor recently, and they will not let us back after two more sentences. Um, so the big question in this game is, you know, is Ohio State going to score at all? And I think we know what happens. Michigan doesn't score at all. Yeah, I was going to say I'd like to go around the room and say how bad, not not badly as in score, but like. How much is it going to piss off Michigan? In what way is Ohio State going to beat Michigan this year? Yeah, you got to find a new one. Because, like, we've seen, you know, the suspect call, the overtime game, you know, the outright beatdown. We we haven't haven't seen Michigan. Called for weather. Called for weather in Big Ten country. (laughs) Yeah, Michigan's up, but it's not halftime yet. Ohio State was the underdog this year, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Jesus. It's going to be worse. It's going to be oh, absolutely. so much worse. I think it's going to be like a, like last year, Ohio State like beat the hell out of Michigan. I think this year is like a Michigan like throws up on itself. Like it's one of those like three interceptions in the first half and it goes to halftime like 28 to three and Ohio State's. Oh, is that a bad score to have? Is that a bad bad to have 28 points against a team that has three? <laughs> I think it's fine. No. It seems fine. I think it sounds like a sure victory to me. Well, Michigan's not coming back from that one. 